KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. And I just dropped my... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, here we go. Just picked up my pen again. Saturday morning, I think, is where I was at. uh, Followed by Leo Laporte at 11 o'clock. That's 11 till 2 with uh, the tech show. And he is our tech guy. Uh, Neil Saavedra from 2 to 5 o'clock with the food show. All things food, the Fork Report, uh, from 6 to 8 tonight. Uh, Mo Kelly with the cleverly named Mo Kelly Show. Monique Marvez from 8 to 10. And then the uh, infamous Brian Suits with the Dark Secret Place. Tomorrow morning, you wake up to Elizabeth Espinoza, and that's followed by Jesus. Interesting that she gets top billing, right? Elizabeth Espinoza, then Jesus. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. All right, California has uh, the high court, uh, the over uh, California Supreme Court has just ruled that the ban on the use of suction dredges to extract gold from rivers is legal. In other words, California has the right to say you can't do it. There is no dredging. The argument that the miners said is that there is a 19th century federal law that allows mining on federal land. That goes back to the days of the gold rush when that law was passed. And it was passed to protect miners from uh, the federal government uh, and uh, protect them to uh, keep on mining even though the land was federally owned. Now, the environmentalists are saying that the dredge mining risks killing fish and then stirs up toxic mercury. It's uh, And the miners further said that uh, the ban essentially stops gold mining. It's done. Because now you have to do it by hand. It's labor-intensive, and it makes no money whatsoever. So it effectively says there will be no gold mining on the rivers in uh, California. Now, this is an appeal from a criminal case. It was a miner who was convicted of a misdemeanor for suction dredge mining without a permit a couple of years ago. He was sentenced to three years of probation, so there was an immediate appeal. It went up to the Supreme Court of California, who wrote, this is Associate Justice Catherine Werdiger, wrote that the federal mining law of 1872 did not guarantee a right to mine free from regulation, that the state does have the power to regulate that mining. And the goal of uh, the law was to actually protect miners' property rights involving the federal land they were making a claim on, not the right as to which kind of mining there is. And so, goodbye, you're done, uh, the attorney for the miners said that the high court showed a casual casual disregard for federal law. Okay, why not? And they're going to likely, he's going to lightly ask the court to review its ruling, which it's not going to do. They're going to go, no, thank you. We've decided. And, oh, or appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, which is going to look at it and go, please. It's not even going to make it past a clerk uh, as far as the court hearing it. These dredges, these are suction dredges, are very powerful vacuums that are on the, on the floor of the riverbed, and they suck up rocks and gravel and sand, and then they're, that all of that is filtered to find the gold. Uh, the state officials of California argued that the right to protect the environment 
uh, overrides uh, any law because the law only allows you to mine on federal land and protects your mineral, it protects your land rights, not what kind of mining. And so that's what the court said. And uh, miners said the state failed to show suction dredge mining killed any fish. I don't think it matters. They can say it will kill fish or it might kill fish. Yeah, these guys, let me explain something about these miners. And that is, if the state can stop a, a, a dam from being built that's three-quarters built, we're talking hundreds of million dollars because of some stupid little fish that they think is going to be extinct and it only it lives in one little tributary in uh, the, the Delta up north in California, they sure as hell can stop this. All right, let's go ahead and take some uh, phone calls. Uh, hello, John. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Listen, um, my wife and I were on our way to vote at our local school, and uh, it was nighttime. She was driving, pouring rain. We come up to the driveway. We could see the voting place in the classroom. We see the sign uh, on the painted on the on the parking lot there. It says "Enter." We go to enter in through the driveway from a stop, and, and you know, right, made left turn there, and. Uh, we, we felt we heard a crash, and anyway, what happened was somebody had stretched a chain across that driveway that you could not see. It hadn't been painted in a while. Okay. And uh, anyway, it did a couple thousand dollars damage to the front of the car. Insurance paid some. We had to pay 500 deductible. Our insurance rates are going up about 200 a year. And uh, I filed a claim with, now, I took a picture. They went and put it back together. I took a picture of that. Later, I go back, and they, t- and they had... Put another post in the center. Everything was painted bright yellow. Yeah, that doesn't matter, John. That doesn't matter for them. Okay, okay. That, that's that's uh, totally immaterial to what happened between you and the school. So you, the ins- your insurance company paid off, well, except for the five hundred deductible. Okay, I'd you, pay that and, you, and have you made a claim against uh, the school board for that? I I did, and they denied the claim. Of course, they denied it. Now take them to small claims court. Okay, and I would also take him the small. I would also take the small claims court for the two hundred bucks a year. Oh, you know, that was, that was my next question. You anticipated my question. Yeah, uh, but be, you can only do be, it for you can only do it for the one year that they uh, increased your uh, interest, uh, increased your premiums. Oh, okay. So you can't do it for like the three years. No, because you don't know. Because you have no idea what they're going to charge you next year. Okay, they may charge right, you. Well, they may charge you less. Then what do you do? So it has to be specifically what this costs you right now. Okay, now, can I also include the cost for taking a day off work to go to court? No. Okay, so I'm out that money. Yeah. And, and, and you can, can try. I, the... I mean, you can try. Okay. But, you know, you, you ask for everything that's uh, a pr- even approaching reasonability or reasonableness. Okay. Reasonableness. Uh, you, and you, yeah, you throw no, you don't double it. You don't want to look stupid, okay. but you throw in everything and you put in a day. I lost a day going to court. I put in the claim; okay. they should have paid for it, Your Honor. And now here I am, and I've taken a day off court, and it cost me one hundred eighty dollars or whatever it cost you, whatever you make. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Bill. All right. Let me know what happens with that one. You'll lose. Everybody loses, and even the people that win generally end up losing somehow. Andre, hello, Andre. Hello, I live with my mother-in-law. She owns a property that uh, is in a trust. Uh, we pay all the bills, but uh, she we have like a co-existence. Um, she owes some back taxes to the state franchise board, 
and they want to put a lien on a property. It doesn't specify what property. I'm curious if they can do that if the property is in a trust. Uh, well, they can do it. It, it. The lien is against the property because she owes the taxes as an individual? Or are these property taxes that have not been paid? No, she owns the taxes as an individual. And can they lien the property that's in a trust and the trust owns the property? That's uh, correct. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I, I'd be interested to know. You have to. I would. Uh, uh, I would talk to an administrative attorney on that one. I. You know what? That's interesting. I don't. They. The, the franchise tax board here in the state of California has insane power. I mean, beyond. For example, there's no statute of limitations on anything. If you're 18 years old and you haven't paid your taxes and you owe the state. $150, and you don't pay it, uh, between interest and penalty, by the time you die at 75, uh, there's $3.2 million that you owe. So uh, can they put a lien on the property? Uh, you know what? My guess would be no on that one. I don't think they can go that far. Hey, Paul, welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Hey, Bill. Uh, assume for a moment I'm a captain in the uh, in the military. Can I sue Obama? for not having war powers authorization to commit troops in a war against ISIS? Mm. First of all, thank you for the phone call. I pray for these. You know that, don't you, Paul? (laughs) Uh, I get a lot of, gee, my neighbor's wall is on my side. What do I do? So when I get these kinds of calls, I look up at the sky and go, thank you, God. Uh, I know there's a case going on. Uh, First of all, uh, a member of the military can't sue uh, the president under any circumstances uh, because just doesn't have the right to do that. Um, uh, because uh, that would uh, be instant insubordination, at least the way I view it. And uh, so that's not going to fly. But in general, uh, you, you see, you, you have to uh, – how would you say he mishandled it? I don't know what that means. And then under the War Powers Act, he has the power. He has the power. Then it's a, really a question of whether it's going to be funded or not. But it's it, – Lyndon uh, Johnson had the power to go into Vietnam because of the Gulf of Tonkin resolution. Uh, There has been president after president. It doesn't stop. And I think it was uh, to go into the war in Iraq. I think George Bush, uh, number 41, had some kind of a a congressional mandate. Those don't go away. So the answer is uh, no, that's not going to go anyplace. Uh, And, uh, you know, what do you do with that? Uh, No. No. All you do is you make a point. You say, I'm going to do it. Maybe you file a lawsuit. It's instantly dismissed. You just don't do it. Especially members of the military. They just don't do that. And you can't do it. You, you, you get this guy out of there. I, mishandling in terms of he can't send troops to fight ISIS. Of course he can. He's not declaring war. He's not declaring war at all. The argument is he's doing this under exigent circumstances to protect the United States because of national security. And now who's going to argue, well, I don't like the idea, the the way you define national security, Mr. President. I'll tell you which way it should go. I mean, those are all the issues, Paul. Well, I know one guy who's got a lot of free time, Cruz. He can do that, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well said. Uh, Yeah, he could. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Tony. Hello, Tony. Hi. Go ahead. What can I do for you? Um, I have a question for uh, Bill Handel. Yeah, this is he. Hey, Bill. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Hey, uh, I've uh, I built a few houses, and I know that the statute of limitations for builder's liability is 10 years. Yes, in California, it's 10 years. Okay. 
uh, I am now flipping a few houses, and uh, I'm really curious as to how far the liability is there, and, and do I... Uh, am I exposed to the entire No, yeah, you are, because question? you're not building the property when you flip. Right. Uh, but it's le- it'll be, it'd be far less than 10 years, uh, because... Uh, effectively, it's a uh, breach of contract, so uh, the builder's liability extends the contract, the uh, normal liability, or extends the statute of limitation. So you're just limited to any contract where you fix where you fix a house and flip it. Uh, I, I think you're okay. But you mean like? Uh, let's say I don't touch the roof, but the roof leaks. Is that still well? No, yeah. Well, the argument is you can be sued if you flip it, and unless you yeah. say, unless in the contract you say, as is, I make absolutely no warranties or representations as to any part of uh, this property, or let's say the roof, I make no representations as to the uh, the efficacy of the roof. Well, that immediately right. tells people that the roof is all screwed up, and you just put that into the sale. I mean, wait. The, the point is, you're not liable less or more uh, just because you uh, flip a house. Any work okay. you do, uh, you you can sell it as is, as I said, and uh, and effectively say there are no warranties at all. But what does that, Tony? Let me put it the other way. What if you were to buy a piece of property where the builder or the flipper said nothing? You know what? Not responsible for anything. I mean nothing. Yeah, then I'm not really interested in buying that house. Well, not necessarily. Look at it really close. But you know what? But I that's not. Really yeah, but that's not necessarily true. If it's a good deal, uh, you yeah. hire an inspector to go in and you just suck up the liability. Yeah, yeah. So that's the yeah. answer to uh, your question, unless I'm completely wrong. Uh, hello, Rita. Rita, you're up. Hello. Um, okay, three people are on their real estate property title. Only one of them lives at the property and and pays the mortgage, the uh, property tax, and uh, the other two are filing a partition sale. Yeah. So what do you think the outcome is going to be? They're going to sell the property and split it three ways. So they all get equal shares? Pretty much, yeah, unless, unless they start suing each other. See, a, parti- okay, but- a partition is just for the right to sell the property. Correct. Now, the argument's going to be that the the person who lived there and paid the property taxes should get more money, but that person lived there. So does she get a free place to live? No, she's paying the mortgage. Okay. All right. So she's paying the mortgage. That's equivalent to the rent. And she gets a third she gets a third of the value of the house anyway. Correct. What about the property tax? You can start arguing, but you can add that to the cost of the rent. How much more is the mortgage and the property tax than market value of the rent would be? A lot more. Okay, then you argue that. And how long has she been in the property doing that? Uh, 20 years. Okay, and so you now are saying, now we want money out of that more than you put in. Why didn't you bring that up when she first started, if all three of you own the property? Why do you let it go for 20 years? I wasn't aware of it. Until well, it was yeah. Uh, well, that's a problem. What do you think happened? You think uh, who, who do you think was paying the uh, the mortgage and paying the taxes since you knew you weren't? Well, I knew that they. Well, I, I'm not involved. This is a parent, but well, how do they know? I mean, what what do they expect? Here it is. They own a piece of property. They don't pay the taxes. They don't pay the mortgage. Where do you where do you think they thought the money was coming from? 
Yeah, exactly. So where's the, I mean, what do they think they're going to get out of it? A third of the value of the property. Unbelievable. Why is that unbelievable? Well, because they haven't contributed at all. But they own a third of the property. They're yeah, on title. What That's, about uh, maintenance? And it's all of it. All of it. They own a third of the property. Okay. All right. Unless there's an agreement that's brought between the uh, parties that say, listen, I'll pay the rent. I'll pay the mortgage. I get the money back when we sell the house or a portion of the money back, or I get X percent when it sells. Uh, but that's it. Nothing more you can do about that. Uh, hello, Dave. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. I bought a uh, house about five years ago. I had a problem about six months ago where I needed the carpet replaced. And uh, as soon as the as soon as the people came out, they wouldn't touch it because uh, of asbestos tiles. And okay. None, none of that was disclosed in my in any of my paperwork. Okay. Do I have a case? Well, did they did the people sell it to you? Know about it? The lady lived here for fifty some odd years. Did she, she know? Did she know that it was asbestos tiles? Uh, I'm going to assume yes. You assume yes. Right. And so, how would you prove your assumption? I can't. That's correct. You but can't. she had she had the carpet replaced. But she still doesn't know because uh, it's it's possible that the people who disclose uh, put in the carpet didn't know either. Especially if you're talking about being that old. So she should. Here's what you're arguing. Okay. She should have known this was asbestos, even though she has no expertise. And when they put in the new carpet, she should have hired someone who also knows and therefore told her. None of which you can prove, Dave. Right. So, you, you suck it up. <laughs> I got to pay for this stuff to be replaced. That's absolutely now. correct. I bought a house, uh, an older house that was built in 1927. Right. And uh, there was asbestos. As a matter of fact, uh, they, they probably knew. I couldn't even uh, prove it. I had to pay for it all. Right. Well, <laughs> and I as a matter of fact, it gets, it gets even better because they come in with their spacesuits. And it costs thousands of dollars because you need the the uh, the proper not only the equipment uh, but dealing with it the, the proper disposal all of which is regulated by law. Oh, you you're into it for several thousand dollars. Congratulations, Dave. Hey, if I had to pay for it, you have to pay for it. Damn it. Hello, Craig. Yes. Yes, Bill. sir. Hey, mom bought a house. In, uh, from one of those home flippers, and uh, a condition of the sale after the initial inspection, it was listed to replace a rusted garbage disposer. Yeah, it's in it's in, the, in in the escrow. It says that. Uh, yeah, I guess the the contract to sell the house. Okay, where was it listed? It was listed in the contract that says the rusted garbage disposal will be replaced. Right there, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. So okay. now we're trying. Yeah, and so they fixed everything else. There was a number of things. They fixed everything else, and now now they're coming back, and they're saying, you know, uh, all you got to do is push a little red button to reset it, and the thing's rusted solid. All right, so that's easy. So what's your question? Question is, um, evidence in small claim court, how, how do I just bring the contract yeah, in? Yeah, bring, bring the, the contract in, in, bring a picture of it, get a bid on what it's going to cost to replace, and then you go, what are they going to say? It isn't rusted? Well, I, I we've actually replaced it. All right, so then you bring, bring in the bill. In the then bring in the bill, uh, and they're going to say the other one was fine. And your argument is, go. Then why would we replace it? Yeah. Uh, now, dollar amount. It's about five hundred dollars. It's under you know what okay. a contractor charges. 
and uh, we had it fixed. We had a, a, a guy come in, a handyman come in. All right, you put, you but, charge for all of that too. Uh, the uh, but you don't have any parts, or you don't have a picture or anything. What it looked like before? Uh, I think there's pictures. Of then it. you're home it's free. But mom. even if you you're home free on that one, if there is. But even if not, simply the uh, a statement from uh, the guy who fixed it explaining what it was. But you get both. I tried to fix it, then I had to replace it. Now, when you say five hundred dollars. Uh, which is less than a contractor would pay. That's a really expensive garbage disposal. Well, she got one at uh, you know one of the home stores. Yeah, that's pretty inexpensive. But even the best one I've seen is three four hundred dollars. Yeah, this one was like two hundred bucks. Okay, all right, well, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. That's all you need. I've got the we got the receipt. That's fine. That's all you do. Bring all that into court, and that's it. And then she's got a check that she wrote to the yeah, guy. Yeah, that's that fine. Bring it, bring in everything. You'll be fine. That isn't a problem. So just, just, just bring all that crap in the court. I don't want to sit here and tell you what you have to bring in. Just, how about bring it all in? Uh, hello, Denise. Hi. Yes, ma'am. How are you doing? Yeah, um, I have a elderly uh, parent, uh, stepfather, and mother. Uh, marriage, nineteen eighty. Prenup, his house, her income, hers, his all split. Um, but up there in years now, they've been inhabiting the house for over 30 years. And uh, if anything happens to him, is there any way I can keep the mother, elderly mom, in the home for a while? Uh, I don't quite understand. If something happens to him, it's your dad, right? And this no, is... stepdad, mother. Your mother. Can you keep her in the home? Well, yeah. if she's lucid and doesn't want to be there, Denise... No, you can't uh-huh. do anything. People are allowed to live where they live. Uh-huh. I mean, you can't force people to live. There's uh, this thing called slavery and the Emancipation Proclamation and all of that, forcing people to know. And then there's kidnapping issues. No, uh, you can't. Now, if it turns out that she is unable to care for herself and make any decisions, Denise, you go in and get a conservatorship uh-huh. over her person. In this case, it would be over her person. And you make the decisions. Then you can keep her wherever the hell you want to keep her. Even though there's the prenup that his what is family pre- could come in. What do you mean? What a prenup that his family comes in. Well, it was his house. He was widowed. It, that, it, that part doesn't matter. Decision as to where she stays is going to right. be whoever files a conservatorship. Uh, the, uh-huh. the prenup means nothing as to deciding where she stays. The prenup only has to do with how they split up, uh, how the money is split up. What are the assets? And that's it. Yeah, that would be the house. Okay. Then the prenup says what? The house is hers? The house is his? It is. Then it's his house. Yeah, so I would have to take her out? Not necessarily. Depends on who owns the house if they let her stay. Right. I, I'm not. That's what my dilemma is. Would they let her stay? I don't know. Do I don't stay? know. How about this? Why don't you ask them? I know. That's That's an easy one. And yeah. then if not, you've got all kinds of problems. You can file a lawsuit. Not that it's going to go any place, but it's sure going to hang them up yeah. and start negotiating. Right. That's when you talk to uh, a lawyer, uh, people that uh, practice elderly law. There are elderly lawyers, elderly law lawyers. Ironically enough, they're all over 80. Did you know that? Otherwise, the bar won't let you practice elderly law. Huh? No, no, I don't have that right. Uh, hi, Teresa. Ter- yes, yes, I want, yes. I want to um, check into getting a post-nuptial. Okay. Uh, for me and my husband, um, I we just recently were married, 
And I want him to feel secure in that if something does happen between us, that he doesn't have to worry about his property. Okay. And it's something I want. I want to know if it's something we can do on our own. Yeah, you can. Do we need yeah, to involve no, an attorney. I would get an attorney uh, just to write it up, uh, even just to look at it and sign off. Because let's start with you're doing this to make him feel better. Uh, first of all, all of his separate property, uh, property, Teresa, is his separate property anyways. You can have a post up. It doesn't matter. It's his property. And the only okay. time it becomes your property is he either puts your name on it or throws into an account that both of you have access to. And you can argue it's a gift to the community. Now, okay. as far as writing it up, do you? It, it's one of those things where you're protecting him against you. So if you are never going to... Uh, if you are never going to, in fact, uh, go against it, in other words, uh, you're going to fulfill uh, the obligations both legally and morally, it really doesn't matter. You can almost shake hands on it. But if you really want protection to where it is airtight, I would have both sides have a, an attorney sign off. Now, then, then there are degrees of that one, Teresa. The most, okay. the safest way to do it is each of you independently get an attorney that signs off saying, we, I understand, and his attorney says, I understand. A way just below that is that both of you get an attorney, you both waive the conflict, and the attorney says, you both understand what you're getting into. Below that is you simply sign one, and you sign something uh, along the lines, I fully understand the above, and doing this uh, with... Uh, no duress, no coercion, whatever the language is, you can pull this stuff up on the internet. And uh, that is probably okay unless he decides he doesn't like you anymore and throws away, said, I didn't understand what I was getting into. I was uh, coerced, duressed at that time. And there's nothing you can say other than, well, gee, that's not true. But if you have a statement, and this only happens when it falls apart, Teresa, what all of this mm-hmm. stuff does is anticipation of all this going south. It's easy. Everybody feels great about getting into a relationship. Uh, getting out of the relationship, uh, you don't feel so great about. And sometimes you feel just dead rotten about. And so what all of that does is simply stop anybody from questioning it. You see where I'm okay, going so, from? Right. I, I, I see that. No. So what if he decides to add me to the D? Then it's both of your property. Okay. Then it's both of yours. Now, you can say uh, in a post-nup that if we get divorced, I am going to give it back to you. Okay. Or, and I'm going to tell you something I don't often share, I don't know if I've ever shared, is that when uh, Marjorie and I got married, uh, we I insisted on her, uh, because it was her house, Mm-hmm. It was her house, and because of uh, some financial aspects, we wanted to buy something, and we both had to own the property. She put the property in both of our names, which mm-hmm. established my credit uh, a little more. I gave her a quit claim deed that I signed. Right. It was notarized, and she put it in uh, the safe de- bo- uh, deposit box. Mm-hmm. And if it ever got, uh, if it ever got really flaky. I told her if there's any issue, you simply file it, and the house is yours again. And it's I don't even remember oh, when she, I, I don't even remember when she tore it up, but it doesn't matter because we sold that house a million years ago. 
but it right. was but that's that's how what I did to protect her when she put her house into uh, our name because we were just recently married we did it for business purposes and it was not one of those gee we're married I love you let's put everything together she's way too smart for that <laughs> okay all right so that's where you go with that hello dave dave you're up welcome to handle on the law hi bill yes sir i got a red light uh, parking, red light uh, speeding ticket in Beverly Hills, and I was wondering if it's worth fighting because I've heard these were deemed illegal in Los Angeles. Yeah, County. I don't. First of all, Beverly Hills is a, a different jurisdiction completely. Beverly Hills is its own city. And as far as Los Angeles is concerned, my understanding is they're still out there. And I know there was some issue about having them deemed uh, being illegal, but I don't know if that has now been established as law, the illegality of those. So you can call. Just call the clerk of the court. Say, hey, are red light legals legal? Red light yeah. uh, tickets legal. But I I guess it's... I'm sure they're going to say yes just to get your money. So no, I'm no, really... no, 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 not necessarily. If they're illegal, they're illegal. But if they're in the city of Beverly Hills where you got it, my guess is they're probably legal. In Beverly Hills. Yeah, uh, my guess would be, because why would they have something up that is uh, that they can never enforce? Right, right. Did you the get ones a- in Los Angeles don't work anymore. Well, then you're fine. Then you're never going to get a red light ticket, are you, if a red light camera doesn't work? was this? Did you get a red light ticket in Beverly Hills? It was right on the border. Was it in yeah. Beverly Hills? Do you know? Uh, well, this is the thing. I got the ticket from L.A. PD, but then it says report to Beverly Hills Court. Wow, I have no idea. I have that's a weird one. I have no idea. Okay, that last sentence sort of huh? Really? Hmm. This is handle on the law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case, and have been doing it for decades. I might add. Now, this is a story out of England, and the reason I'm sharing this with you is because this is right up my alley. This is an in vitro fertilization uh, issue, and the reason I'm fascinated by this, first of all, uh, I've been involved in uh, reproductive law for, that was my entire legal practice, and my kids were born of in vitro fertilization. So uh, I really connect with uh, these stories. So uh, there is a hospital in the United Kingdom that told a couple who conceive their child through IVF, in vitro fertilization, they have to adopt the child. And you go, wait a minute, come on. You have to adopt your own child? Yes, because the mother of the child, that is the woman who bore the child, incorrectly completed a preliminary legal form for the procedure. She failed to check off a single box that would have granted her partner the legal right to parent any child born via IVF. So therefore, because a box was not checked, they now have to adopt this child. Now, I want to point something out real quickly here. Uh, This is, uh, when talk about uh, a couple, these are lesbian women people who are doing this. And the... uh, The clinic that did this is the Liverpool Women's NHS Foundation. And I don't know anything about it, but whenever there is any organization that is the women's clinic, my guess is there are, and maybe I'm being extrapolating here and I'm being totally sexist, 
My guess is there are women who tend, if not exactly that, but tend to sort of lean towards helping lesbians more than not. I think that's fair to say. Was that politically okay? Uh, Mike is shaking his head saying, eh, am I going to say it's a bunch of lesbian doctors that are doing this for lesbians? Is that what I'm going to say? I don't know. So in any case, they said she has she has to adopt the baby. And at that point, um, uh, the Hewitt Fertility Center, which is affiliated with the Liverpool, uh, Liverpool Women's National Health Service, uh, which I'm assuming is a bunch of lesbian women helping a bunch of lesbian women, but I don't know that, so I'm not going to say it, uh, discovered the error and uh, a family court actually tried the case. They had to take it to court, the uh, the parents, and a judge ruled in uh, favor of the parents and suggested, well, not only did the uh, Liverpool Women's National Health Services uh, screw up, uh, but hey, maybe the form is not the appropriate form. Why don't you not have that form in the first place? Uh, because look at what happens. Okay, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. All right, Chris. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Hello. Yes. Uh, question for you. My mother uh, is filled out an application for a temp agency, um, and they are stating that you have not you personally, but she has to work uh, this amount of many days. Cannot call off from work. No, 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 no. And she has to go to doctor visits due to medical situations, and. Uh, she is worried about them firing her because they say right there in the contract you cannot call off for work. And I told her you can't. What do you mean you can't, can't call? That. You can't call off for work. You mean you can't uh, not show up if yeah, they send you out? Up. Like she, she said that they cannot, they will not accept a call out on a sick day to go to the doctor. And I said, well, you have a medical situation that you physically have to go to the doctor to be seen about this situation yeah they probably can't do that uh but what is she going to do she works for a temp agency and uh, the easiest answer chris is don't work for that temp agency so there's nothing you can document it or sure she can Uh, okay and then what is she going to do file a lawsuit get an attorney to file a lawsuit on her behalf for the one day that they're uh they're screwing her over yeah because they're she was afraid that they're going to fire her. Maybe. Okay, then that means, that could be. Okay. She's legitimately afraid. They very well may do that because they say right there, we're not going to let you do A, B, C, or D. And if it turns out that it is illegal for them to do that because medical services, medical, uh, because of medical reasons, so they fire her. And what does she do, Chris? Yeah. Copy that. Yeah. It's just a question of practicality is, uh, okay, let's get an attorney and I want to sue. Okay. Any attorneys lining up for this one? All right, Frank. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. I live in a community where the state mandated everybody had to have water meters. Our water department had to go with somebody that the state mandated to get the job done. After everything was said and done, the contract is hitting the water department for an additional $360,000 for fees. There's a discrepancy in the price. And uh, the water department said, no, they're not going to pay it. Now there's a mechanics lien on my home. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, okay, so your question is? Um, 
Do I get a hold of my own lawyer? No, 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 no. It's going to cost you way too much money. You don't want to spend dime one for a lawyer, Frank. Uh, What you want to do is have uh, the Department of Water and Power go in and handle it because you're not alone. Uh, Because if it turns out that he's asking for an additional, in this case, hundreds of thousands of dollars, they're telling him to go pound sand. Trust me, you're not the only person who has a lien on the property. Yeah. You know that everybody has a lien on the property. So yeah, there's 302 homes. Right. Okay. So 302 liens have been put on the property. This is a Department of Water and Power issue. You let them deal with it. Okay. So in the mean, in the, in the meantime, you don't sell it, Frank. In the meantime, don't sell your house. Well, no, I can't because there's a lien on it. No, you can sell it. No, you can sell it with a lien. You just have to put it. You just, all you have to do is put up a bond to the lien. That's all. Oh, really? Yeah. How much is the lien for? $360,000. On your house? On my house. Wait a minute. So $360,000 times how many homes? 302 homes. So what's so so he has a $10 million lien on property? As far as the paperwork that I'm no, looking at. No, 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 no. I can't. Well, you call the Department of Water and Power on this one, and you say, I want this straightened out right now. First of well, all, going into first of all, going into court and saying uh, if the, he's owed three hundred and sixty thousand dollars and he's put a lien on everybody's house, uh, so effectively the lien is for ten million. If I'm not, uh, I haven't done the figures. That's uh, about right, right? Ten million dollars, and uh, but he has to put up a bond for that. So it's uh, it's way above your pay grade, and it's way above what you actually should pay, which is about zero, Frank. Call the Department of Water and Power. Someone is dealing with this issue. Believe me. Uh, yeah, all right. That, that's the only way to go. I mean, I, what, are you going to hire a lawyer that then is going to make a motion to uh, make a motion to quash the lien? Uh, no, no, that's thousands of dollars. It's the last thing you need to do. Hi, Alan. Welcome to Hello. Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? If I file a complaint in small claims court and lose, what's the consequences for me? Uh, you lose. I know. I, I lose, but I don't have to pay no uh, fees or nothing because I got these guys in court. Uh, wait a sec. You are fi- you're filing against them, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, you don't pay. You only pay court costs, uh, yeah, because they don't do anything except show up. Okay. All they do, uh, yeah, that's all they do is show up. So they're not out of pocket. You're the okay, one that's then, out of pocket. Okay, then if I if I win, I get the judgment. That's it. And then how do I collect? Uh, if you win, you get the judgment plus the cost of filing the lawsuit, plus the cost of service. And how do you okay. collect? That's your problem. Collecting. That's the problem with small claims court. Is yeah. you have to go after bank accounts. Uh, you can possibly garnish their wages. If someone doesn't want to pay, you can destroy their credit. Uh, because there's a judgment, you file an abstract of judgment, uh, and that is uh, simply filed with the credit agencies. And once it's filed, uh, it's filed. You can actually record an abstract of judgment, and uh-huh. uh, that means there's a judgment on their record. So you've effectively destroyed their credit. That you can do. Yeah. But if they uh, don't care, if they don't care about the credit, uh, Alan, and they don't uh, help you collect it, or they're not, uh, uh, they don't have a propensity to pay you, uh, it's going to be a hard time getting money. Yeah, well, at least I would get the satisfaction that I would be able to file something on them. Yeah, uh, you will get the satisfaction. How much does someone owe you? Well, you know, it, it, it's about 10000 less than 10000 or I could make it less than 10000 you know, so I could get in small claims court. 
Yeah, it's still yeah. tough. Collecting ten thousand dollars, even if you get the judgment, is not going to be very easy uh, because the more you, the more uh, the, or the bigger the judgment is, the more difficult it is to collect. But it happens unless you're going after a company. Uh, then, yeah. then it's well, easy. But you're yeah. probably going to not be able to collect. So nice, well, nice talking to you. Unfortunately, that's when a winner is still a loser. See, I like it when when losers are losers. Uh, that's you know what? That's satisfaction enough. But when winners are losers, that makes it even better, doesn't it? Hi, Frank. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Yes, sir. What um, can I do for you? Go ahead. Yeah, I have a question. I, I, I got divorced about five years ago. And during our divorce, because uh, of my children, I decided to uh, basically give her the house. Um, unfortunately, uh, I'm still in the mortgage. Yes, uh, yes, you like, are. Responsible for it. So right. I talked to uh, my ex-wife. Things are not too good. She doesn't want to refinance. So it's messing up my credit every time she's late. Um, my question to you is this. Is there anything that I can do to force her to get my name out of it? And how do I do it? No. Uh, you can ask her to, but uh, what, uh, what ends up happening, even if she does take your name off of it, you're still going to owe the money because the mortgage company is not going to just roll over. Now, you've been divorced. Where The house was given to her in the divorce? It's one of the agreements that that, uh, that we both came on to. It wasn't something that we fought over. I just decided, like, yeah, go ahead. You know, you can't have the house. So I signed it over to her, basically. Or, like, my rights So when you signed it over, did you file a quitclaim deed that put the house just in her name? Uh, you know, we, we did some paperwork. I don't recall. I can't answer that question. I don't okay, remember. Okay, but That's even if you did, let's say, let's say the house, the title is only in her name. You're still on the hook. Until until she refies it and uh, puts it all in her name. So the answer is no, not a lot. Uh, you're, I think the only choice you have is uh, to look in the mirror and say, I married the wrong woman. That's always a choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been, I've been doing that for a while now. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a good news. All right. Sandy, hello. Welcome. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Um, I, I got a cashier's check to pay off my line of credit. To Chase, I sent them the uh, cashier's check as per, per their instructions. Now they tell me they didn't never received um, the cashier's check. So B of A, where I got the cashier's check, first they tell me yes, the check was cash. Now they're telling me no, it it was not cashed. So at this point, I don't even know what my well, op- uh, your options are to go back to B of A if they told you the check was not cash and they have to issue a new one. Okay, do I, they're telling me I have to wait 90 days? Yeah, yeah, they have to wait. Yeah, that's normally what happens is 90 days. Is that a federal law? No, I don't know. That's just policy. It may be a federal law. It could be a state law. But that's uh, that's been going on forever is you have to wait 90 days to see if the check is cashed. Really? Yeah, you do. So you call the folks at uh, Chase and say, hey, uh, let them know. Here's what happened. I paid the money. You guys lost the check. I'm now uh, asking B of A and uh, whatever forms that have to be filled out, you show it to uh, Chase just to make sure that your credit is not affected. Right. Okay. In the meantime, they tell me I have to continue paying on my line of credit. Monthly. Well, you pay what you can, but you also say, well, you can, because if that was to pay it off, yes. certainly. All right. But you, can you afford to pay, make minimum payments? Um, I, I did this month. I mean, it, it's a stress. Cause the you, then you work with them. Then you, you call them up and you say, hey, here's what's going on. They'll work with you. If you are upfront with them and explain what's happening and you go, can I make interest only this month? They make they have the ability 
to uh, go ahead and waive uh, certain right. payment periods. And so that's what you want to do with Chase. I would think. Okay. All right. Um, but yep. I do have to wait the 90 days. Yeah, you have to wait the 90 days. You absolutely do. David, hello. Hey, yeah. Um, I was uh, arrested about a dozen years ago uh, and uh, never even got past arraignment that it was the judge dismissed it. It was the district attorney withdrew the charges, uh, dismissed it with prejudice. Uh, at the time, my attorney advised me that I'd ought to seek a finding of factual innocence and suggested that would purge the arrest report so there'd be no record of even being arrested. I don't think so. I don't think, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think that factual innocence doesn't mean that you weren't even arrested. Uh, so I've never heard of that, David. I've never heard of that, uh, eliminating the arrest report. But keep in mind, an arrest doesn't, that's only an accusation. Right. Uh, and a lot of people get arrested, uh, and you explain, uh, never even charged, uh, everything was dropped. Uh, because I don't know if they can simply uh, eliminate the arrest record. Okay, well, if you don't think there's any I don't think so, but you can look into it. You want, you want to call a, uh, you know, call a criminal attorney on that one. Uh, yeah, that's what you have to do. I mean, I don't think so. But then again, uh, yeah, I've got a, do I have an arrest record? Yes, I was. I was arrested when I was 22 for failure to appear on a traffic ticket, which is why I always, always tell people, do not ignore summons any kind. It cost me being arrested. And then I showed up, and they dropped the failure to appear, and I had to. And then I had to deal with the underlying ticket. But, yeah, there's a warrant out there. You don't appear. Uh, it's going to be in the system, and God help you, if you get picked up for the next ticket, there's a warrant. You'll be in handcuffs. I wasn't in handcuffs. Uh, because I begged the police officer, and I sort of knew him. I worked at a stereo store at that time. That's when they used to call them stereo. And the uh, and the cop was a motorcycle cop who caught me jaywalking one day, and he knew I was worked at the store. And so he's writing out a ticket for jaywalking. And uh, let me tell you what a genius I am. I said, by the way, uh, what happens if there's a warrant out? You know, I'm just curious. And he goes, really? Do you think you have one? He goes, I don't know. He goes, I said, I don't know. He goes, well, let's find out. And he runs me. Otherwise, he wouldn't have. And he smiled and said, well, yes. And he calls a black and white. Off I went to the police station. They didn't handcuff me, though. Uh, They just had me sit in the back of the car because I wasn't. And I asked, you really have to handcuff me? And they go, no, we won't do that. And I paid my $100. or I think it was $64. That was it. Uh, $64 bail. I mean, I never even went into a cell. I just went ahead, got my picture taken, my fingerprints, paid the $64. It took them 20 minutes to figure out change because all I had was a $100 bill that I borrowed from the store manager. He pulled it out of the till. Oh, just, yeah, just crazy crazy all right noel hi noel welcome to handle on the law yeah uh last year i was uh stopped on the street and uh making a right and this guy hit me on a bicycle and he was drunk um so anyway yesterday i get a call from my um insurance company and they said uh he's incurred sixteen thousand dollars in medical bills he has no real problems a little soft tissue but he wants more money i have nothing i have no property no yeah i wouldn't worry about it but noel let me ask you uh when you say he was drunk was he ticketed for being drunk was he arrested for being drunk well she told me yesterday that he didn't get a very good report from the police what i don't know what not a very good report from yeah neither neither do i she wants me to sign out or something so they're going to try to give him 
up to $25,000 or something. They're not, gonna, not for soft tissue, they're not going to give them that. So I don't have to worry too much. I can't believe it's going on for a year. Yeah, I, I know. No, it does, you know, it, it, what, what your insurance company has to do is pull, it, uh, is pull the accident report and see if he was arrested for drunk driving. If he wasn't arrested for drunk driving or convicted, even more importantly, uh, then it's if he wasn't drunk at all, Noel. Mm. Yeah, but I was stopped. You know, I don't. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah, it's that's what they're going to say. You deal with your insurance company and you scream, and they they want out as quickly as possible. And uh, it's cheaper to go ahead and pay the money than whenever you're dealing with a bicyclist versus a car. Yeah, Uh, he was on the sidewalk. No, I get. I know. I know. It's just. let me put it this way. Justice and reality do- doesn't really matter when you're dealing with insurance, especially when you have things. For example, a rear ender, uh, you're automatically at fault. Even if someone's driving backwards, backing up into a car, accident happens, the guy behind gets ta- tagged. Doesn't matter what. If you are, uh, if it's soft tissue injury, automatically malingering, automatically the insurance company uh, throws up a red light and says, uh, that, you know, we've got a problem here uh, because we're just not going to pay a whole lot of money for soft tissue. When there is a bicyclist against a car, all of a sudden it goes towards the bicyclist under any and all circumstances. So if you have no money, don't worry about it. Your insurance company is going to settle. Yeah, okay. Even if I have good credit, I mean, I have extra you're not, credit. Your credit is not going to be touched, Noel. Your insurance okay. <laughs> company is going to settle. The only thing you're going to be looking at is an increase in rates. Yeah, okay. All right? They don't go after someone, especially, no, they, they're not going to do that. And the other thing, if they accept the money, it's over. They can't very well say, okay, I'll take $15,000 and then go after you. It doesn't work that way. David. Hi, David. You're up. Welcome. Well, okay, uh, listen, I got subpoenaed to go to court, and I don't want to go because it's my brother's case, and I just don't want to go. Is there any way to get out of that? All right, who's subpoenaing you? Uh, the DA. And your brother is being, your brother is being charged with what? He's being charged with fraud. And what, how involved are you in that? Or what are they accusing you? Or what are they, excuse me, you're not being accused of anything. What are they asking you to be a witness regarding? Because he, my brother didn't have a checking account because he owes the IRS money. So he asked me to cash a bunch of his payroll checks for him, and he just signed them over to me. So I cashed a bunch of checks for him. And uh, they are trying to say that I, he forged my name to do those checks, but he didn't. All right. Then, you know, call the uh, DA and simply say, I'm not going to help you. My position is he didn't forge those names. You can ask me all you want. I mean, you have, right. you, yeah, yeah, but you can say it. I, I can't help you now. They can say too bad. They'll still bring you up, and you could be a hostile witness. Hostile right. is against the uh, DA's office or the uh, the yeah against the uh, the, the uh, prosecuting attorney. Uh, but right. and, but you know, here it is. The DA uh, calls you in as a witness. You call him up and go. All I'm going to do is help my brother. What do you want me to do? Help you ruin the case? <laughs> Okay. Okay, but so there's no. Uh, there's no. And if not, and if not, you have to go. There's no way around it. Hey, Ricky, you're up. Yeah, Hello. Sir. Good morning, Mr. Handel. Thanks for being there. Love your show. Of course you do. Go ahead. 
three, um, uh, April, I went to be appointed, uh, LA court. A friend of mine passed away, senior. She drew up a will, had the old, uh, trust revoked completely, put me as executor. In April, we went to file and the lawyer shows up representing two of the four parties uh, as the heirs from Sao Paulo, Brazil, two children. And my question is, can, uh, a, Will be over, uh, you know, overridden by an, a revoked trust. Well, first of all, once a trust is revoked, it's over. Uh, there is no trust. If a tr- if a trust has been revoked, it's done. And it doesn't matter when a trust is revoked. And once someone dies, that trust kicks in, and you can't undo the trust. So I'm a little confused. There was a revocation of the trust, and then a will was written. Yes, a new one in December. Okay, then, uh, so I don't understand. What you're saying is, can we go back to the trust and ignore the will? Uh, this is this is what the party is from San Paulo. No, Brazil. no, no. Yeah, what they're doing it's, is they're just, no, it's just they're blowing smoke. How much money are you talking about here, Ricky? Oh, uh, over a million. Yeah, that's just going to happen. So the estate has to now hire an attorney, Ricky. This has been done. Everything is going All right, to the then, court. No. So the answer to your question is no. A revoked trust cannot be brought in, cannot be brought back in to supersede a will that was written after that. Wow. Yeah. And she, and she even did a video of herself. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. A revoked trust. Once a trust has been revoked, while she's still alive, it's done. It's finished. Oh, thank you. So, you All know, right. You're right. Now, was it, let me ask you this. Yes. Was uh, the property that was put into the trust, was that ever taken out of the trust? Yes, it was. Oh, then you're fine. Then they're just, uh, it's people blowing smoke and just wants to settle and want some money. And all of a sudden the relatives uh, come out of the woodwork from Sao Paulo, Brazil, where I was born. So, of course, they came out of the woodwork to try to get the money. Uh, probably a family member of mine. Hello, David. Yes. Go ahead. 17 years, uh, we want a simple divorce. We want no alimony, no child support. Okay. 50-50 on the child. We have a 15-year-old, and we have zero assets. Okay, and your question is? Uh, how do we go about uh, it? You can do it. You can probably do an Internet divorce. Internet divorce? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, you know, pull the forms off the Internet, follow it along. You go in front of a judge, both of you. You simply say, we agree to everything. Here it is, and the, and the court will sign off. Unless okay, someone's but, asking for child support. Okay, and does it have to be a certain, if we live in Burbank, do we have to go to the Burbank court? Yeah, but I would. Right. I mean, why wouldn't you if you live in Burbank? Okay, perfect. You know, Thank that's you. that's L.A. County. But, uh, yeah, you're good. just go in front of a judge. Now, the, the biggest issue where the judge is going to really look at it very carefully is the child support. No one is paying the other party child support. Is that correct? Well, I'm paying her. I mean, off off books. I mean, I'm not. I'm just giving her money. No, no, no. You have to put it on the record. You can't just give her money. There, the judge is going to ask: Is there child support or not? There will be on the form for divorce. There will be a section for child support. What do you plan on doing? Is there a number that you are going to give? Okay, okay. We haven't thought about that. But yeah, yeah, you have to think. Well, look at the form. Pull first. Pull out the form. Okay. 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 They're they're real easy, and then you go through uh, the the questions, and you have to look at them pretty carefully. Other than that, it gets it, 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 amical divorces are great. I think the greatest story of amical divorce is uh, Beverly and Vidal Sassoon, and that, where they got divorced, and they at that point it was like a hundred and thirty million dollar company they had. Uh, they sat down at the kitchen table one day. They they just sat and split everything up themselves. One lawyer. 
wrote the contract. And I think they paid $3,000 for legal fees on a $130 million divorce. That's the way to do it. Today, they could have done it on the Internet and paid $160. Probably not. Hi, Ken. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you, sir. My question is, my younger brother was murdered about a month ago. Wow. Yeah, in Big Bear. Wow. They caught the guy who did it. It was on video with someone he knew who owned a business across from the bar where the homicide took place. My question is, since the guy owns a business, can my family go after him civilly for my brother's murder? Oh, absolutely. And uh, if he's convicted, then it's a question of uh, just going. He won't even answer the complaint. I mean, you're going to get a default judgment. Uh, There's no question about it. Now, uh, you know, this is uh, as horrible as it is, and it sounds horrible. First of all, how old was your brother, Ken? 43. And the video, God, it's obviously too young, but the video... Uh, does it actually show the murder taking place? I believe so. Um, I've not seen it yet. I'm still waiting to hear a lot of information from victim services. Um, but as far as I know, yes, people who have seen it said, yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. All right. So uh, here is certainly you can sue. Certainly uh, you sue civilly. And uh, once uh, the murderer is deemed a murderer and convicted, then the only issue are damages. And what it, it, it doesn't matter what the damages are. You're going to grab everything he owns. It doesn't awesome. – everything. However, he is probably going through the process of getting rid of all of it. Uh, that's the first thing I would do. And you want to talk to a lawyer – about making sure that doesn't happen pending the lawsuit. So the lawsuit virtually has to be filed immediately. Uh, and, right. and then you can, if and it's all tied up, and if everything's tied and can't be sold, then uh, off you go and uh, just wait. But then again, see, if he knows he's going to lose everything, he's running a bar, right? No, he owns he owned a, a trading post across the street from the bar where the murder took, okay. took place. Okay, uh, and what's he going to do? If, if you know you're going to lose the business, Ken... Uh, you know, are you really going to, are you really going to try to work and, uh, do you care if it goes into the ground? Now I'm assuming this guy's been picked up, right? And he has been arrested already that night. Yes. All right. So he's probably never going to see the outside of a jail. It, it was, did he make bail that I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to find out. I think his wife is still running the business. So there's some details I don't have. I just wanted to know. Yes, yeah, the bottom line is, yes, you can sue him civilly. There's no question about that. And if he is convicted, yes, instantly. You don't even have to prove anything other than uh, than damages, as I said. He can't even defend uh, because uh, the bar for a criminal matter is, fa- is ha- far higher than a civil matter. So once you've hit the bar for the civil matter, uh, the criminal matter, then you've just blown right past and there's nothing more to prove. Uh, right. Now the only issue is tying up those assets, and so you have to talk to uh, you have to talk to an attorney, and I mean like right now attorney, and a, okay. a pretty high end uh, personal injury attorney. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd start with personal injury on because uh, the uh, well, would I do that? No, go through. You can go through my website and just ask uh, what kind of an attorney because I'm okay. the only thing that comes to mind immediately be personal injury. Uh, because that's that's effectively what this is uh, when you're suing it. Because the argument is uh, you have lost uh, your relationship with your brother. They've taken away uh, your uh, relationship, and therefore you have been emotionally uh, destroyed. That's that's the personal injury representing 
you. And did, did your brother right. have, did your brother have kids? He has one son, Jacob, who's twenty one. Who yeah. me and him are trying to handle this together. Okay, that's so the I same. Would... That's the same emotional damage. If he had little <laughs> ones or younger ones, uh, minors, it would be a whole different matter. Anyway, sorry that happened to you, Ken. Uh, that's a tough one. That really is. Now, yeah. Bill, do are there? Will those attorneys work pro bono? Yeah, or... no, they work for a contingency. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to have to pay. All right, take Good care, deal. Ken. I can't even make fun of that one. I really can't. As, uh, it's one of those things. I can make fun of anything. That's a tough one, losing uh, losing a brother. Um, I'm very close to my brother, uh, particularly because he owes me money. And as soon as he pays it off, uh, I'm not so close to him. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Oh, boy, is there a fun one out of Oklahoma. Uh, Here is the headline of this story. Mother who married daughter uh, faces jail for incest eight years after she married her son. Well, gay marriage is allowed, right? So you can marry a woman, uh, not your daughter, and you can't uh, marry your son and not get divorced from your son to marry your daughter. This is a very convoluted, weird case of some very sick people. Patricia Spann is 43 years old and married her 25-year-old daughter, Misty, in March of 2016. Six years previously, oh, she actually had annulled her marriage to her son, Jody. Mary's son annuls it, Mary's daughter. Well, why not? Now, in August of this year, uh, Patricia and Misty, mother and daughter's relationship was discovered by the Department of Human Services during a child welfare investigation. Let's not forget that either. Uh, Under state law, the marriage of close relatives is incest whether or not they have a sexual relationship. It's straight incest. Uh, Amongst other states, you need a sexual encounter before incest kicks in. There's illegal marriages, but not the crime of incest. So uh, Spann and her daughter are both charged and are currently booked into Stevens County Jail. Now, what happened is Patricia Spann had lost custody of her daughter and her two sons, were raised by paternal grandmother. So she came back into their lives by marrying her son, annulling it, and then marrying her daughter. Ooh, tell me that that's not a case for Dr. Phil. What do you think? No, it's not. Jerry Springer. That's even better. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take some phone calls. Tony! Hello. Yes, sir. Um, My question involves uh, a lawsuit I was served um, because of a car accident, Uh which happened about two years ago. And within roughly a month of the statute, they uh, served me with a lawsuit. Okay. So I I knew what to do. I turned it over to the insurance company. Good for you. However, um, it's been roughly um, almost four weeks, and the insurance company has yet to... Uh, okay, it's been almost four talk. weeks since for what? Since I was served. Okay, and now what? So what do you, so, what do you ask me? So my question is, uh, I was supposed to, according to the lawsuit, reply or respond within 30 days. Yeah. Um, 
So what are my options? Well, you're op- first of all, uh, someone on the your side, uh, the lawyer, called up the other side and said, can I get an extension? Uh-huh. And they said, of course. Lawyers give each other extensions constantly. So okay. the only time you have to worry is if you get a notice of default saying you did not answer the complaint. Tony, that is not going to happen. Don't okay. worry. You want to call the attorneys representing you and say, hey, did you did you answer the complaint? Just call them up. Go, here's the case number. Did you answer the complaint? And they'll go, no, we called up. We have an extension. Or, yeah, we did, and we just haven't notified you yet. I mean, they could have, answered, they could have answered the complaint two days ago, and you wouldn't know about it yet. I was I was never contacted by any uh, attorney. I only know, uh, you know, my only contact is the insurance company. Well, that's probably what, it, it, it's, it's so early in the game, Tony, that I wouldn't worry about it. Call your insurance company. Call the agent. Say, hey, uh, the, the, can you tell me whether the complaint's been answered yet or not? It's their problem, Tony. It's not yours. Got it. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Hey, Darren. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. I'm going through renal failure right now. And my question is, um, I was put on medication, you know, 15 years ago, somewhere around there. And I believe that that medication has attributed to the failure. Okay. So and me, so, I'm I'm just looking for you know what would be the process yeah. if I were okay. Got it. All right. So let me throw a couple of questions at you. When you say I believe it's malpractice, uh, that statement is based on what? What do you know, or why do you suspect it's malpractice? Just from speaking with other doctors about the prognosis. Okay, and the, uh, doctors, and, the, and, the and the evidence. Okay, the well, hold on. Let's there. first talk to the doctors. The doctors right. have said that, in their opinion, it's the medication that either caused or exacerbated your kidney problems. Correct? Well, they're saying it, it could have. Ah, it could have. All right. Well, that, yeah. that becomes a little problematic. And then you yeah. said, and other evidence. What other evidence? Um. What other evidence for what? You said uh, talking to doctors and other evidence. I think that uh, I have a bad kidney because of this uh, because of this medication. Uh, do you, uh, oh, other well, than it, talking to the doctors, other than having those conversations, what other evidence uh, do you think you have? Just the degradation of the kidneys after the medication was okay. So yeah. uh, here's the problem you have. Uh, first of all, this medication that it's given to people in your condition is a matter of uh, normal medical practice. Uh, it's for bipolar. Okay. Has, it, has there ever been a case that has been successfully prosecuted linking that bipolar medication to kidney failure? Not that I know of. Right. I, I believe that they're still using it. Yeah. See, that, that, that becomes a little problematic. Let me ask you, you ever go to McDonald's in the last 15 years? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's those Big Macs that have done it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I really think it's, uh, yeah, yeah. What kind of car do you drive? Uh, Mazda. See, I think it's Mazda's. I think that uh, attributes uh, a lot to kidney failure. Yeah. So uh, now, why wouldn't they? You think you got some um, issues there? What? Well, they they've they didn't really monitor. Doesn't matter. How do you know? How do you know they didn't monitor it? You have. See, here's the problem, Darren. Is uh, you you have not come up with. Here's what they were supposed to do. Here's the opinion I've gotten. Here's what they did wrong. Other than you saying. 
Gee, I think, and doctor said, you know what? It could have been. And that doesn't mean anything. I can get a doctor to say, yeah, it could have been. Yeah. So, Darren, how, how much of a no case do you think you have? Yeah, I don't know. That's I do. I, I do. A big no case. Stuart. Hello, Stuart. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Stuart. Yes, good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, my question is, I had a small claims action against a specific company, a corporation, and it uh, it was dismissed with prejudice. Can I file a similar action against the individual? Well, hold on. Then why did you go after the company instead of the individual? Because I was told by the uh, district attorney to go after the company. All right, so how were you damaged and who damaged you? It was a fee for services. <coughs> Excuse me, it was a fee for services. I provided a report. <coughs> they refused to pay. All right, Stuart, did you provide a report to a company? Was, uh, it, was, there, was, there, a, yes. was there a written contract? No. Okay, no, but you, but, but you, oral. but it was a company that hired you, correct? Yes. And uh, you filed the lawsuit against the company, correct? Yes. Well, what is the the whole point of companies is to limit liability. If it's a corporation, uh, they, there's no individual that is responsible. It's the company. Well, if the uh, if the individual called me and uh, engaged my services, yeah, but on behalf of the company, Stuart. Okay. Yeah, okay. he does it on behalf of a company. And so you've got two problems. Number one, the company. That's who you had a relationship with. The other problem you have is a rule that everybody has to go into the same case at the same time involved with that underlying issue. Okay. So you've lost it on both points. What did you do for them, Stuart, that they didn't pay you? I'm a real estate appraiser. I provided an appraisal. Of a large piece of property, and they didn't pay and, you. So how did the right. judge? How did the judge dismiss it? Uh, it uh, after I guess mediation or whatever. Uh, uh, it came to the point that uh, uh, we decided that uh, to go forward was considerably more actions. Uh, Stuart, how did the judge dismiss it? If you did the work and they didn't pay you, how does that case get dismissed? That's uh, that's a good question, and I can't uh, can't answer that. All right. I don't no, know. That's you know that's legitimate. Sometimes it could be because he did such a bad job of explaining it to me. Maybe he did a rotten job of explaining it to the judge. One of the things about small claims judges, they have no patience. You think I have no patience? Get in front of a small claims judge. Hey, get to the point. What are you talking exactly exactly the way I would ask? All right, what is it that what exactly is it that they didn't pay you for? Well, uh uh well I did dismissed. That's how it works in small claims court. Okay, Brett. Hello, Brett. Yeah, okay, Bill. Yeah. Okay, hello. Um, so I've been having an ongoing situation here. My landlord lives above my residence, um, and um, they're always, you know, coming up with these, like, little bogus, like, com- not complaints, but basically they're saying, okay, you're, you know, you, you live downstairs. We want to, like, um, 
uh, we want to we want to improve the, the 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 dwelling that you're living in." And I said, "Well, I'll do it myself. I'll paint it. I'll put the new carpeting in. Um, I'm the one that wants to do it." Um, and then I live in the city of Los Angeles. So you're aware that there's a there is a uh, sure rent control. Okay, so I'm setting up the situation for you um, now. Um, uh, they have not, you know, they have not threatened me to, you know, to evict me. But they're always saying that, you know, hey, you know, this next coming month they want to raise my rent. Okay, um, and I, what's, what is it? Three percent now for city? Of yeah, Boston? whatever. It's the rent stabilization board. It depends on what the board does, and every year it determines how much the rent can be raised. And if it turns out they haven't raised it in a year. Then they can raise it next month if they give you 30 days' notice, okay. unless there is a lease. And I'm assuming mm-hmm. that at this point you no longer have a lease, correct? Right. I, I no longer have a lease. Okay, just... so you're on a month-to-month, and with 30 days' notice, they can raise the rent 3%, and that's only for the following year. Okay, so it's a 12-month period that then that would be enacted. That can only stay for 12 months. That is correct. Okay, because right now my rent's 930, so then, in other words, they would have to go on the 930. They would have to, they can only raise it 3%. 3%, right. And then the following year, and sometimes it goes 3, sometimes it goes 2.8%, whatever it is, then the following year they can raise it by that percentage right on the anniversary, the one-year anniversary. Okay, fair enough. Now, um, what is my defense on, like, um, you know, they want to come in and make the little, the the small, uh, uh, the small improvements. improvements. You say yeah. no. Yeah, I mean, say no. You go. I don't want you to. Yeah, because I mean, I, I've been paying my rent faithfully. Yeah, Brett. You just say they don't have the right to come in and quote make small improvements. Now they do have the right to come in and change it up if there is something broken. If, uh, for example, the plumbing doesn't work, uh, not only do they have the right to do that, they have the duty to do that. Uh-huh. Your toilet is leaking leaking uh they have to fix it and uh you should let them in but if you're talking about painting a room or switching out a carpet you go no no, no not uh, interested not interested because it's kind of like i mean i'm not interested because it's safe and sanitary the Fine, then you're safe. done that's all you do is tell them no mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because i mean it's kind of like i mean i've i, I brett I, yeah brett you're you're already preaching to the choir yeah. okay we're done you know what if he lived under me i'd evict him just for doing what he does. Hey, Charles, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. I had a quick question. Um, My mother has a swimming pool adjacent to the neighbor's property. It drops a lot of leaves and branches in her pool every day. She's tried talking to them. There's uh, no no appeasement, so to speak. Is there anything she could do? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, and it happens every day, right? Every day. Okay. Uh, during the spring so first of, of all, summer, yes. first of all, a letter uh, to her or an email, okay. probably both, saying, "Hey, you, every day your leaves are falling into my pool. Uh, do something about it. Either clean it every day, or uh, make sure in whatever way you want that the leaves don't fall in." He ignores it. A week later, you, you actually start paying someone to clean it up. Or you put an hourly on it, cleaning it up, and just sue once a month. Take pictures and just keep on suing once a month. And he'll, uh, every single time, uh, he'll get nailed for it. In other words, uh, so let's say $200 uh, that it's uh, you've paid or you've done yourself and you charge whatever amount, but it's better off paying someone. 
and you sue for that, plus the court costs, plus uh, the service uh, fee of service and filing fees, and you'll get it. So let's say it becomes $350, all right? Judgment, $350 for your mom. She smiles and says, this starts again tomorrow. You wait another month. You sue him again. And at some point, he is going to uh, figure out, or he'll just simply pay to clean it up. And that's just the way it goes. So you have a pool guy come out, and you have him every morning come out there, clean it up, charge you, I don't know, $800 a month, and uh, he pays the bill. The point is he's responsible, and it's just a question of getting him to the point of understanding that he's going to pay whatever it is to clean it up. Okay? That makes sense. Well said, Bill. Excellent. Fred. Hello, Fred. Hello, uh, Bill. Yes, sir. Uh, hi, how are you? Thank you. Uh, I have a life estate, and um, my mother was a trustor. She died. My sister was the tr- is the trustee, and she's trying to do things behind my back, or she has tried many times to get a loan with her trustee uh, authorship. Is there any way I can get her out? Well, you can go to, well, uh, so she's the trustee of the trust, and the trust is still alive, right? It has not been distributed. Is that correct? Right. And she is trying to get a loan using the assets of the trust, so yeah, she, she gets tried. money. And are you a beneficiary? I'm the yes, I'm the main beneficiary. You're the main beneficiary. It's time to get a lawyer, Fred. Get a lawyer? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You can get her off if she, in fact, has uh, filed for or applied for a loan using a trust of which she's the trustee and you are the main beneficiary. Uh, she has breached her fiduciary duty. Based on that, a judge will throw her right off uh, the trusteeship. They're not expensive, right, these lawyers? Well, they're not cheap, but uh, how much money are you talk about in the trust? Well, it's the home, most mostly. How much is the home worth? Let's see. It's in Burbank here. It's about uh, probably about three. Okay. Here, here's what's going on, though. She is she's The trust owns the, the property, right? Yes. She is a trustee. She can do whatever she wants, and what you can do, is she can get the loan. And I'm well. That's not true because there. Uh, I, I think that the uh, the the mortgage people, the lenders, may ask for a copy of the trust to make sure that uh, she's in compliance with all the provisions, and she wouldn't be. It may cost you a couple thousand dollars, but you definitely want to do it because if she gets the loan and defaults on the loan, the house is gone. Right. That's what I'm afraid of. So you uh, spend a couple thousand dollars. Uh, go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com and look for a trust and estate lawyer. Well, I don't have the money, but uh, I'll try to dig. I don't have the you money. You got to do something, Fred. I mean, you have to do something. Maybe uh, at the end of it, uh, he does it on some form of contingency and arranges for you out of the property. What's Who lives in the property now, Fred? I do. Well, you don't want her to sell this thing right from under you, so you have to talk to a lawyer and say, I don't have the money, but what do I do? I see. You, you need some help on that. You can't just say, I don't have the money and ignore it. You can't do that. Hey, Matthew, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill, I got in an accident uh, in a work truck. Real minor. I, I rear-ended the lady. Now... She's doing the company, and I'm named on the lawsuit. Yeah, it always happens that way. Uh, the company will defend you also, Matthew. No problem? Yeah, there shouldn't be, because you were you were uh, at work. You were in a work truck. You're not going to be responsible individually, Matthew. They're just going to – here's the deal, Matthew. We, uh, a rule that every lawyer follows is when there's a lawsuit filed, you name everybody. 
everybody right. even peripherally involved, fall at fault, not at fault, working for someone, not working for someone, it's no big deal, Matthew. Uh, they'll handle it. Just make sure that you're covered, and you will be. Just follow up on it, and just uh, the insurance company that that's handling it, just say, hey, you know, my name is on it. Uh, can you make sure that it's answered on my behalf also? You've got it, man. Thank you. All right. Take care. Also, when the settlement happens, and there will be a settlement, inevitably, especially if you rear-ended someone, unless they're crazy enough to go to trial, uh, and very few cases ever go to trial, especially when you're talking about fender benders. Matter of fact, they never go to trial. Uh, when the settlement is made and on the check, on the waiver, uh, the liability waiver, in other words, uh, the settlement agreement, I agree to waive all liability, I'm done, I don't have a case anymore, I'm giving up all my rights, your name is in that document. So that's not a problem. Hey, Dave, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm a uh, a 68-year-old outside sales commission guy. Well, I'm sorry, how old? I'm 68. 68-year-old outside commission guy. Okay. And uh, a month ago, they, my boss told me that they were going to have to let me go. And uh, Why? they tell you why? Well, uh, being a commission salesperson. So what? Uh, I mean, literally, so what? If you're bringing in the business and getting your commission, does it matter if you're 168 years old? I, uh, what? What? What is, is they literally firing you because you're 68? Well, it's because they're saying it's that I haven't been hitting my numbers. Have you? Uh, no. Okay. But it's, um, you know, uh, part of it was just bad luck. Okay. Uh, it's, but anyway, I'm on budget now. And I just want to want to know: Is there anything I can do? Uh, no, no. You can start looking for another job if they do let you go. Because here's the problem uh, that you have: they have to come up with any reason whatsoever. And if you're in California, uh, they can come up with any reason for firing you. And even better, are you ready for this? They can fire you for no reason. They can simply wake up and go, you know what? Today we're going to fire Dave for absolutely no reason. And they're allowed to do that. Now, the only shot you have is that you're 68 years old and you're in protected status. However, all they would have to come, and I'll tell you, they could stop any any legal challenge cold saying, hey, you didn't meet your numbers. You made now, but you didn't meet your numbers before, and we want people to consistently meet their numbers. So uh, he's gone. But it doesn't make any sense. Think about this, Dave. If a company is going to let you go, even you're meeting your numbers and you're making money, why would they fire you? Uh, There's something else going on, Dave. Commission salespeople are not fired when they're bringing in money. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what to say other than uh, you'll have plenty of time to call in during the day, during working hours. John. Yes, sir. All right, John. John, if you're on a delay, you've got to get off the radio and talk to me. Okay. Hey, oh. what's up, man? Okay. Uh, okay. So I got a letter because uh, I got into an accident, and uh, it doesn't even look like it's from a law office. It looks like it's from a collections agency. And if I could just read you an excerpt, it's only like one sentence. It sure. says, uh, sure. 
please consider this a formal request to suspend the driver's license of the other party and register owner identified above, which is me. All right, and, then and, the, letter, top, and the letter is from whom? It's like from some weird collections agency. Then, uh, don't that, worry about it. If they're threatening to take away your license, they don't have any authority to do it, John. Then they're they're blowing smoke. Now, uh, it, okay. yeah. Now that's it, now if they're saying we're going to contact the DMV and they may take away your license, that's mm-hmm. another issue. But you're uh, you're fine. It's not uh, it's not yeah. the DMV, and they're the only yeah. people that can write you and say that your uh, license has been suspended. So, yeah, I know, because uh, even on the header, they wrote California DMV Sacramento. It's almost like, well, it doesn't, how no, could no, it be? It doesn't matter. It has to come from Sacramento, and there's mm-hmm. no one else's name on there uh, mm-hmm. other than maybe someone involved in the accident. I'm, I've never gotten one of those. But unless you're yeah. getting an official letter from the state talking mm-hmm. about re, uh, losing your license, and even then you have the ability to go in with a hearing. And they're actually mm-hmm. going to give you, I think, a hearing date. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah, this okay. is a collection agency uh, doing what normal collection agencies do, uh, sort of sleazeball things, and that's what they do. Hello, Sue? Yes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Hello? Yes. Yes. Okay. My question. Yes. Okay. Um, I have a trust and a will that's in my married name. I've gone through a divorce. I know I need to change it, but how do I go about changing it? Oh, it gets real easy. You just do a uh, on the will. You simply do an amended will where you just change the name. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if you have to change the name uh, because uh, the name has to do with proving that you're you, and uh, no one's going to argue that it's not you. I mean, there's nothing in the law that says you must use uh, a current name and you cannot have a previously uh, uh, a name you previously used. I don't even know if you need to change it at all. Wow, okay. Yeah, oh, you want to t- contact uh, a trust attorney and just send an email to one of our guys uh, that do trust and estates on handleonthelaw.com. But just ask that question, saying I talked to Handle on uh, the air and as usual, Handle does not know what the hell he's talking about <laughs> and he suggests that I contact you. You'll get the answer on that one. Okay, great. Right. Thank Goodbye. You. Bye. Uh, hey, Alex. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Mr. Handle. Yes, sir. Uh, is a life uh, insurance taxable? No. Okay, so you mean that I, I don't have to pay taxes? That is correct. Life insurance is not taxable income. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. I have absolutely no idea if that's right or not. I think it depends on who owns the policy. It can be taxable under certain circumstances, but I, hey, I, you know what? Do I not disclaim it? You have to call your accountant. See, that's what I do. When people, you know, if I really cared about uh, you on this one, I would stick you on hold. Call my accountant and say, Jack, is life insurance taxable? And he'd go under what circumstances? I'd come back to you. Goes who you own, who owns the policy? I think that has an issue to do with it, and then I'd answer the question, and maybe ask you to call your own damn uh, accountant. What do you think? Hello, Frank. Hello, Bill. Yes. I, w- I went into the hospital a couple weeks ago and had a beautiful seven-day, uh, six-night stay. They operated on my hand three different times. Uh, the the second time, uh, the following morning, I woke up and my front teeth were loose. And uh, they're both capped crowns. And uh, so I made men- mention to the doctors and They kind of scratched their heads. My third surgery, I mentioned that to the anesthesiologist. He kind of 
scratched his head and chuckled and said, well, did they tube you? And I didn't mean playing the tuba. They shoved the tubes down my throat. Yeah, that's not bad. Did they tube you? Okay. I, I knew you'd appreciate it. Yeah, I don't, but that's okay. It was a good try. Uh, I, so anyway, he kind of chuckled and just asked me that question and didn't say anything that, oh, one of my compadres probably beat up your dental work. So who do I go after? Well, you're going to go after the uh, the probably the anesthesiologist who uh, were, was there at your first surgery. Uh, the problem is you've got to connect the two, and uh, that doesn't seem to be too difficult to do. But uh, what happens? How do you fix that? Your teeth are loose, and how, how do you turn that around? Do you need new teeth? Uh, can you cap them again? Well, I'm 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 going to the dentist on uh, Monday, and I'm going to an implant specialist on thursday all right and the teeth uh, and the teeth weren't loose to begin with they were in pretty good shape right yes yes sir and your tenant dennis will uh will in fact testify to that or you have the records that your teeth were in good shape yes sir okay well okay there it is cost of the implants and uh okay. how much can they be uh, what two thousand bucks three thousand bucks and Each. okay five thousand yeah. dollars for the two of yeah. them well i mean whatever it is i get that and that's your lawsuit that's still within the uh, jurisdictional limits. Problem is, first of all, no lawyer's going to touch it, Frank. There's not. Oh, no I lawyer- understand. Yeah. Now the issue becomes you're going to say that this happens and they're either going to roll over and give you the money or they're actually going to bring someone there to say uh, to come up with some reason this didn't happen as a result of the doctor doing it. And they're going to have some kind of BS expert. And you're going to ask the question, well, how how is it possible that it didn't happen as a result of the surgery. Uh, well, it happened before. Uh, we don't know that you didn't have those problems prior to that. Yeah, just yada, yada, yada. But you have no choice, Frank. You've got to go to small claims court on this one. Make a claim. Immediately make a claim with uh, the hospital and the doctor. They may turn it over to their insurance company. They may not. It's small enough to where I think, the well, will the hospital just roll over? I don't know. I don't know, but you're going to be filing uh, small claims against the hospital itself and the anesthesiologist, which is usually not a, generally not an employee of the hospital. It's a separate anesthesiology group is my guess. But either way, either way, you're going to just have to go to small claims and figure out how you can deal with that. I don't know what a hospital and a doctor would do in a small claims court. If if I were those people, I'd just write a check uh, because... uh, what doctor is going to go and spend a day or a morning in small claims court? Just sit there, and there's a good chance they're going to lose. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, I am usually given a stack of stories to talk about. Uh, uh, my executive producer slash engineer slash grand poob of the show, Mike, Uh, hands me a stack, and I choose which story I'm going to do, the legal story. And so I'm going through a stack. I looked at the first one, and the headline is, Man Barred from Going Near Stables After Having Sex with a Horse. I threw away everything else. I didn't go past this one, and Mike said, "I, I thought you were going to do that. Now, it comes out of England, and the only reason, well, I I should have gone to the United States stories with sex, uh, stories with a horse, but uh, uh, I really enjoy the defense on this one. The defense of this man, his name is Shane Trafford, uh, Shane Trafford Taylor Waters, 36 years old, and I just love the defense. Okay, 
So, first of all, as part of uh, 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 as part of his sentencing, he was told he cannot get anywhere near stables anymore. That makes sense to me. He had filmed himself, videoed himself uh, carrying out a sex act with a horse on his cell phone. So not only did he stup a horse, he videoed it. And in court, the court heard it was not his first time. When he was a teenager, he was cautioned, was not convicted. I think he was, uh, if he was convicted, uh, there was no jail time. He was cautioned for the same offense of sexual penetration of an animal. So we're talking about full-blown intercourse here. Okay? Well, not quite intercourse, but well, maybe it was. I wasn't there. And I'm going to read part of uh, the legal papers and how they dance around this. This is England, and they're a little bit more careful with their words over there. He was caught when the horse's owner uh, spotted a, quote, substance on one of the horse's back legs. So she contacted the police. Taylor Waters told them that he heard a firework go off, so he had gone to calm the horse down. And I don't know quite how that connects, and the... Uh, the authorities didn't know how that quite connected. And as a matter of fact, the sex in the uh, second interview, he admitted to uh, having sex with a horse. His lawyer, and this one is, uh, I just absolutely love this. His lawyer, Richard Prue, said, here's his defense. My client says he made images so he could look back with revulsion at what he had done rather than show it to someone else. Uh, needless to say, he went on to say, since his second police interview, in which he had admitted that he had stooped the horse, he has sought psychiatric help, and it is clear he needs help rather than punishment. And this is not a straightforward case, and the bench should have the fullest information before sentencing. Yeah, I'll buy that. Now, here's uh, what ends up happening. They love horses in England. You know, it's much more of a horse country than we are in the United States. So they are going to be uh, probably apt to be more lenient with people having sex with horses only because of the love of horses uh, that they have. I'll report when this thing finishes up. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, Hello, Greg. Yeah, most recently there was a service technician bypassed um, signage, uh, 602 signage, entered the property, Removed locks, two locks from gates, entered the, my cor- uh, covered patio area and made an attempt to walk into my home. And I watched him through my kitchen window to do this. And I challenged him before he stepped into my home. I filed a police report, and that's where I am on this. All right, what's your question? What, what legal recourse do I have to go after this individual or this utility company? For what, Greg? Um, 602. No, no, for what? Trespassing in... Okay, what are your damages when someone's trespassing? Because all you can do is sue for money, Greg. Well, how much is it, how much is it worth? How much is it worth when someone trespasses on your property? I felt in fear of my life. Okay, how much do you think that's worth? As much as I can get. All right, what, $5 million? If, if I put a dollar sign to it, yes. I'll okay, five. It. I, if you're going to get $5 million, I'd go for $10 million if well, you're going to do that. Well, I wouldn't be ridiculous because I know... But $5 million is okay. I think that's uh, understandable. Couldn't agree more. Greg, I think you have a great case. I think you can get $5 million out of this. Uh, I think it's legitimate. Someone trespasses on your property, especially from a utility company, and comes onto your property. Doesn't actually enter your home, right, Greg? He was 
In my sunroom and okay. ready to walk into my laundry room. So he did enter your home? Uh, yes. Okay. And h- how did he enter your home? Uh, by walking toward the door and going in. Okay, was the door, door, hold on, was the door open or did he actually break in? No, he opened, the door was open. All right, well, at least he didn't break in. All right, he, fair enough. No, that's not a breaking in. Greg, it's not a breaking in. Well, when he removed locks on my gates, that's a breaking. Uh, Well, the gate on your property? Yes. It's just yours? Yes. And he actually physically removed the locks? Yes. And what did he do with the locks? I couldn't find them. They were missing. So you just happened to have holes where your locks used to be? Yes. Wow. Really? Yes. And what what utility did this? Was it the uh, power company? Was it the uh, uh, water people? Phone. Phone company? Yes. Wow. No kidding. Did you take a did you take your cell phone, take a picture of it? Of what? Of uh, someone uh, re- physically removing the locks. Um, well, I don't have a cell phone, and I was within the interior of my home. Ah, but you saw him enter the house. I, I stopped him before he walked into my laundry. Okay. Yeah, that's $5 million. Yeah, I think that's $5 million bucks. So what, what avenues do I pursue? You have to get a lawyer. I understand that. Yeah, you have to get a lawyer, and uh, you have to convince a lawyer this is worth $5 million. I don't think that's a problem, because I think it's worth that much money. Actually, I think it'd be worth more than that, but you don't want to be ridiculous. See, I would be ridiculous. And so you but that's fi- just you. That is just me. You're right. So once you find a lawyer that's uh, more conservative than I am and will limit it to $5 million, uh, then he, then that lawyer does all the rest. You don't have to worry about it. Greg. I understand that, but what type of uh, attorney would I pursue? Any uh, personal injury attorney, because uh, you were in fear of your life, uh, and uh, I, I don't know how you prove that, but you just testify because I think you're totally credible. I don't have a problem with that. Where you simply say, "I was in fear of my life." Did he have a weapon on him by any chance, Greg? He had something in his hand. I looked like it could have been a wrench or a hammer. Oh, okay. Well, a wrench. I, I get a utility guy uh, with tools on him. I, you know, I, I can see how you can be frightened with that. I get it. So go to our website and just grab one of our lawyers and make sure you say, Bill told me to contact you, and he thinks this is a fantastic case. Okay? Hi, Tori. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Um, I was wondering if I could sue in small claims court uh, my husband's company and the woman he's having sex with on the job. For what? Which they don't admit it. I mean, for what? Uh, what are you going to sue for? Sue for damages. Sue what for what are the damages? Health. For what? What happened that you have damages? I was diagnosed with a uh, sexually transmitted disease. Aha. Uh-huh. Having to take the test. Okay. Uh I'm suing her for damages, and plus, anyway, I uh, um, after I had the ultrasound because they thought it was cancer because I was bleeding, and you're, was, wait, you're bleeding as a result of an STD. Well, when I when I was infected from it, so six months later, okay, first he called out her name while we were having sex. Six months, I bled. He called out. He called out her name while you were having sex. Right. See, that's the problem. And I have to tell you, I should talk to him because what I tend to do is scream out my own name because it's just so much safer. Now, my wife thinks I'm a jerk, but man, that's a a very safe way to go. All right. So he screams out her name and somehow that proves that he's having sex with her. No, it's been a 12 years. She's been working there for 12 years. Everything that could possibly happen. uh, He is having sex with her. He is having a affair with her. How do you know? 
because I came up with a sexually transmitted disease. He talks about it all the time. I met her. They deny it. Right. He runs away. Okay, so they deny it. So what do you get? How do you prove that they're having what sex? What I'm going for is damages and the, having the cost of getting an ultrasound because they thought I had, I definitely had a, a trichomonas, the most common, common disease. Right. Sexually transmitted disease. Yeah, you could have had it beforehand, too. I've been married for 39 years. Could have had it beforehand, Tori. You could have had it your entire life. No. I had, I've had pap smear in 2009. Yeah, I don't know. Do pap smears tell you whether you have trichomonas or not? And I don't that's know. How, that's how this came up. All right. So, that's again, all right, so what so do you, you... I had to go through the... the all right, Tori, I get it, I get it. Tori, how much money do you want? It's small claims court, 10000 Okay, and uh, you're going to argue they had sex, and they're going to say, nope, not at all, Tori's crazy, well, what? I have an STD, and uh, you're going to say, well, my husband gave it to me, and he got it from her. And the husband's going to say, you know what? I think Tori's had an affair. And you want to know well, something? He's already said that. He's already said that, but he okay. knows it's not true. Well, I we don't care. I don't, Tori. I've been for 45 years. Tori, it doesn't matter. Tori, Tori, you're not listening to me. Tori, you're not listening to me. The judge doesn't know any of that, Tori. None of, you're assuming that when you say that in front of a judge and your husband says, I don't know what Tori's talking about. As a matter of fact, I'm considering suing her for giving it to me because she went out and had sex. And your answer to the judge is, no, your honor, that's not true. And he goes, how do you prove it? Tori, how do I know? How do you prove it? And your only answer is, I can't. All I do know is what I know. I have a whole lot of circumstantial evidence. They don't care. Like what? OJ has. Like what? What kind of circumstantial evidence do you have? I've watched them. uh, They're going to call you a liar. I've seen it with my own eyes. They're going to call you a liar. Tori, they're going to call you a liar. Really? Yeah, of course, really. Tori, just because, and by the way, I'm not arguing it's not the truth. I, I believe you. But you have to prove it. You can't say, well, I, I saw them. And they go, no, you didn't. The and, whole company know. Everybody on the job know. This then you subpoena then you, su- then you subpoena everybody. And how do they know they're having sex? Does Do people in the company, have they seen them have sex? That's exactly what I know. And that's what, how many know. times do you think I they've know, had sex? And that's f- what he said. Tori, and that's what I told him. Tori, said, Tori no, you're not listening to me. Don't. Tori... You actually, you actually going to walk in and go, here are the name of people who have seen my husband and this woman have sex. And they're willing to stand up in court and go, yes, your honor, I saw them have sex at work. Is that what you're telling me? No. Okay. This is all, you know people know. I know. So, Tori, you have nothing to go on. Nothing. And I would go, I, if I, I would counter sue, saying you're, you're the one. They gave me my STD. Now, do I believe it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Well, I mean, she's upset enough. Now, he probably did end up giving it to her, and he probably did get it from the woman, or maybe he got it from the other 15, or maybe you got it from 65 people. I have no idea. Good story, though. Not bad. And almost listen to me, but not quite. 
Hi, Laura. Welcome to Hammer on the Law. Yes, ma'am. So I own a property that I'm currently leasing to a tenant. Um, She has actually never paid her rent on time. I've been very flexible um, in allowing her to pay late, not taking late fees, so on and so forth. Um, Recently, she uh, sent me a text saying that she had fallen because of water that was coming from a washing machine I'd recently installed for her. Um, And I was out of town, so I had a friend go over there with a plumber a few hours later. Plumber fixed the backup, um, and my friend said that she didn't see anything wrong with this person, that there was no no noticeable injury, no noticeable issue with her walking, anything like that. Um, And then she sent me another text a, a couple weeks later saying she was still in a lot of pain. She was on painkillers. Um, she had seen a doctor. She was very uncomfortable all of the time, and she may have a fractured elbow. And I'm trying to figure out what, what my next step should be to protect myself from what I think she's trying to set up as a lawsuit. Well, if she files a lawsuit, you just turn it over to your insurance company. Even though it, it might be seen as negligence, would, be, would landlord's insurance still cover? It doesn't even matter. Of course they do. Yeah, they, they, okay. they cover it. They cover it. I mean, that's uh, the whole point. You have insurance. Uh, and uh, we don't know that it's negligence at this point. She has to prove that it was negligence. Uh, right. She has to uh, say that she slipped on water, and that's what caused her uh, to be hurt. And then she, uh, it's either way, it's uh, going to be a, a claim that's going to be made, and, and then a victor. Get her the hell out of there. Right. Well, you know, that was the other piece. So in the last month's rent, she deducted about $200 right. saying that it was for her medical bills. Then what you do and, is then what you do is give her a uh, 3-day notice pay rent or quit. Okay. And just get her out and get her out. And she's going to argue that it's because of retaliation cuz she's filing a but claim. That's my concern. And yeah. you, it's no concern. You go, "Listen, I turned it over to my insurance company. Uh, you know, I don't even I don't even know what's going on. All I know is that I got a claim. I turned it over. The reason I'm uh, evicting her, she doesn't pay the rent." You know, because she argued two hundred dollars for medical bills or medication. Uh, okay, it can't be for anything else. See, the judge going to toss that right out. Right. So uh, and she never provided any documentation. Yeah, no, that's anything. fine. You're fine. I wouldn't worry about it. But just you want to get people like that out. You know, no good deed right. goes no good deed goes un- uh, unpunished. I've, always. I've been I've been too flexible. That's what my husband keeps telling me. It's true. You've been too nice. You've been too nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, just that's why God invented insurance companies. It's not that complicated. Gabriel. Hello, Gabriel. You're up. Yes. Okay. So, um, are you on a speaker? Are you on a speakerphone, Gabriel? Let me fix that right now. Yeah, you bet. Sorry about that. Okay. So, uh, had a child support back in New York City. Had a divorce. Was unemployed for a number of years. Ex-wife moves to New Jersey. Applies for public assistance. They enforced the child support that I agreed to. Then I had a job. They started taking the money out. But now that my son is uh, over, he's 24 now, and New Jersey law says that I have to keep paying child support until he decides not to take it anymore. Wait, wait, Uh, wait, 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 wait. New Jersey law says you have to pay child support until she decides not to take it. So let's say she's 75 and your son is 50 and she's never said, no, I still want it. No. My son says, as long as I'm going to full-time school, I can continue to pay uh, child support. Yeah, wait a sec. And that's under New Jersey law? Supposedly, I don't know, Gabriel, Gabriel, New York State. No, I don't buy that. How old is your son? He is 24 now. All right, Gabriel, come on, think about it for a minute. So what if he just stays in school full time for the next 10 years? 
Exactly what yeah. I said. So it and doesn't... I call and I ask for emancipation, and the court and the judge shoots me down every single time. I don't even know what emancipation is when someone's 24 what? years old. Well, emancipation when he's uh, when he reaches eighteen, you can emancipate the. No, when he the, reaches eighteen, he's a he's an adult, Gabriel. Yeah, well, New Jersey says no, and I'm still paying. All right, and he's I don't. 24. Then I don't. Then I until he and, and he, they still want more, even though he's twenty four. Yes, sir. Yeah, you got to get what, you got to you, you got to you have to get a lawyer in New Jersey. Get it. Yeah, Thank there's, you. yeah, there's nothing else. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, that does wow. As long as he's in full school full time. 30s and his 40s, you're going to pay child support. Sure. Okay. Did that make any sense whatsoever? No wonder the judge is shooting him down because the judge is thinking he's as dumb as I think he is. I'm surprised he took the phone call. I'm surprised he took the motion. And when he did, what does he do? Is he call? You call a judge? Hi, this is Judge Smith. Can I help you? Hello, Gene. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. I am a board director in a homeowners association, and we have some disgruntled residents who have posted a lot of nasty things about us on Facebook, but we're locked out of it. They've locked us from being able to see it. Hold on. What do you mean you're locked out of uh, Facebook? Well, Facebook apparently can have a private... Uh, oh, yeah. You can, they can have, yes, they can have, a pri- they can have private Facebook pages. Absolutely. Right. So, what do you so, care? So why do, if they have a, if they're bitching about you, why do you insist or why do you think they have to do it publicly? Well, why can't they do it to their friends, their Facebook friends? They're doing that, and they're attracting a lot of the residents, and they're saying a lot of things like, we should recall the residents. Okay, fine. So let them. They can say that all day long, Gene. We, oh, we, yeah. So we should recall. So what's your question, Gene? That's my question. How can we get them to stop doing that or at least access Facebook? First of all, you can't access Facebook if it's friends. No, I And they're limiting that. it to friends because they're, they're, they're not going to allow you to be their friends. They're going to unfriend you or whatever the hell Facebook does. Yeah, yeah. And you can have private uh, Facebook uh, conversations. And the other can... thing is you can't stop anybody from saying, we believe that the board should be recalled. Right. They have the right to say that. What do you? What, what, how are you going to stop that? Under what premise are you going to stop someone from giving their opinion on Facebook? No, I understand we can't stop it. Right. But how can we respond to something like? Then respond it on your Facebook page. So, so I should get a Facebook page. Yeah, that's it. You get a Facebook page. That's exactly okay. what you do, and you answer it. Thank you very much. Does she even have a computer? I should have asked her that. Does she even know what Facebook is? Does she think it's uh, faces in a book and it's a photo book? I have no idea. Hello, Tony. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Uh, I have an issue regarding uh, an old employer and some rugs. Uh, I had an old employer who was a antique ver- uh, Persian maker, I guess, imported it. That's tough from overseas. Long story short, I worked for them for a while, and the company uh, decided to move on to, uh, to a different country. And uh, I learned the trade. I acquired a, a, a second-hand rugs from swamp meets and whatnot, and uh, I guess I had it out with my or my ex-wife, and she reported um, those rugs stolen and gave those rugs back to the old employer. And now I have like a pending, I guess, lawsuit against them, and I yeah. want to know what 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 are my options because I don't have proof that um, you know I don't have any receipts of the rugs. The only 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 proof I have is. I have a rental receipt from this big truck that I rented. That's all I, you can I, say. I, how big? How big is your lawsuit, Tony? 
they haven't told me, but they've been calling. Wait, uh, wait, wait. There's wait, Tony. They're suing you, or you suing them? Neither. I don't know. They keep. They. they okay, so I don't know, so, Tony. I don't know what your question is. Then, is there any way for me to protect myself to maybe get the rugs back? Uh, that's one. And number two is how do I stop this pending well, you, uh, lawsuit? You can't. Lawsuit. You can't. All you can do is answer a complaint. You can't stop a lawsuit from happening. And as far as going after the rugs, uh, the only way you're going to get them back is to file a lawsuit. And uh, you, is this your ex-wife? Yes. Yeah, okay. Then you sue her. Then you sue her for effectively stealing your rugs and sending them back. How much money are we talking about worth of rugs, Tony? Well, I purchased them for altogether less than five thousand dollars. Okay, how much? How much are they worth? Uh, probably like ten thousand. All right, so you uh, you sue your wife and you sue the company that that has them for ten thousand dollars. Oh, that's it. That's Just it. Like that? Yeah, okay. and then you have to prove they have them. That's all. And your wife. I don't. Have, I, don't I don't. I'm sorry, Bill. I don't have to prove. I that understand. I purchased them. Yeah, you have to prove that you sent them. You have to prove number one their value. And you have to prove okay. that they uh, were stolen or that she took them, and you have to prove that they received them. And, oh, okay. And uh, if you have that kind of proof and you walk in, now, I don't know how you prove they're worth $10,000. Uh, you can maybe prove that you paid $5,000 for them. Do you have any proof that you pay, that you spent that money? No, there's no proof because all of it was cash. You know how yeah. it is when you So, go Tony, where do you think you're going to go with that? Nowhere. That's correct. Thanks for the call. Always a pleasure to answer questions. Hello, Angel. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Handle. Yes, sir. Uh, quick question. Uh, hopefully it's quick. Uh, two, two, three weeks back, I had a family death. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, and I had a family death in uh, Mexico, Guadalajara. So three weeks back, three weeks Sunday ago, uh, the... Uh, my uncle died, and uh, I booked a red-eye flight for uh, out of LAX from, um, from LAX to Guadalajara. Uh, I booked it for uh, late Monday night, Tuesday morning at one Tuesday morning at one ten in the morning. And uh, uh, my wife dropped me off at ten thirty p.m. that night. And I, uh, as soon as I got there, there was a long line. For this uh, company, I don't know if I should say the name of the company, but uh, are you talking about for the airline itself? Yes, uh, yeah, I don't care. Uh, you can say the name of the company. I don't give a damn. The company is named Volari. Okay, that's an air, it's an airline that flies to Mexico. Airline, yeah, LAX, a straight shot to okay to, uh, to Mexico, Guadalajara. Okay. Uh, so uh, as soon as I get, I get there, there's a really really long line, and I said, okay, there must be something wrong here. But um, uh, nevertheless, I go ahead and wait. The line was from the terminal all the way towards where the passengers get dropped off and stuff. So okay, I, wait a sec, Angel. Hold on. You're talking about the line to check in. You're not talking about the is, not the TSA line. Well, no, no. This is just to book, check in the, the flight. Got it. Okay. As, as, soon as, as soon as you get dropped off, you go into and get checked in, and then and then the TSA line. Okay, got but it. I didn't, I didn't even get to the TSA line. So, anyways, as soon as I get dropped off, uh, at least five hundred plus people are waiting on this line, and I'm one of them. Uh, my flight was leaving at 1.10 in the morning, Tuesday morning. And um, so uh, I'm there from 10.30, 11, 11 o'clock goes by, 12 o'clock goes by, and uh, basically my flight time already passed by. 
And these guys have not come down to see what's going on for all these hey, companies. How many? Well, first of all, if you have 500 people at 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, how many flights were flying out? With It's one airline, right? It's one airline. I'm guessing there was multiple flights that, around that uh, red-eye tank. So I was just one of the, one of those guys. How many people do you think missed their flights? Um, at least you trust 500 people. How many? Uh, uh, I, I couldn't count them all, but uh, at least 500 or more. 500 or more yeah. missed their flight? Yes. Uh, uh, so these guys come out and they say the flight was canceled for the 12:30 and the 1:30 guys uh, that was which which was I was one of the, part of that one okay. one, uh, one that, uh, 10 a.m. and that wasn't canceled that flew out and you were just late right no 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 it, it, they just came out the whoever the supervisor were said that flight is going to be canceled so this was already 2:30 in the morning got it okay so uh what's your question angel so I'm trying to find out I uh I um if I have any leg to stand on, maybe. if I have any kind of repercussions, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, and uh, the, I think where you're arguing is uh, they knew how many people had tickets, they knew how many people were going to be in line to check in, and it went so many hours, and so many people lost their ticket, lost the flight. The question I have is well, there's two issues. Uh, issue number one is what are do you think your damages are by missing you missed a funeral correct correct okay that's one and the other one is uh, there are limitations to what and how much you can sue an airline based on uh, international treaty and that's okay. the problem your ticket if you look at your ticket uh, well actually everybody does it uh, by uh, Everybody does it uh, via email now, and they do it electronically. I, I, yeah, I purchased my tickets to Travelocity. And, uh, okay, I mean, I, so, I look at, thing, so look at the terms. Angel, look at the terms of your ticket, and you will see you are limited by the international treaty. I think it's the Treaty of Montreal, which limits the amount of money you can sue uh, an airline. So either way, it's going to be tough for you. Uh, but treaty I, in Montreal. I'm gonna write this down. Just to yeah, the treaty. It it's uh, but you you know what you want to do is contact the FAA because uh, the uh, Mexican airline is under the rules of uh, the FAA uh, here in uh, the United States. Uh, that's it, and that's all you can do at this point. I I don't know what else to do because there really is some limitations. For example, when you lose luggage uh, and you have a zillion dollars worth of luggage, you can sue for all three hundred dollars. Handle here. This is Handle on the Law.